Hello and welcome to the Weekend Wrap for the week on Wednesday. I am your host, Ben Davison, and it is Sunday, the 24th of July, 2022. It has been a huge end of the week and a huge week to come. There, of course, has been lots of COVID news. Van and I will get into that in more detail on the week on Wednesday. So much is happening in this space. It's hard to fit it into a weekend wrap when so much else is going on as well. I will, however, say this. Far too many Australians are dying from COVID. Far too many people are not wearing masks, are not fully vaccinated, by which I mean having three or, if you're eligible, four shots of vaccine. Too many Australians are not socially, physically distancing, and too many are not working from home when they can. Now, if we take these precautions, it will limit the spread. It will not stop COVID. We know that. But we can limit the spread, limit the severity of the disease, and help save lives. Thousands and thousands of Australians are currently in hospital. Thousands more have COVID and are struggling at home. So please do the right thing, wear a mask. If you're in a public place, make sure you are physically distancing and wearing a mask. Get your shots. Uh, and if possible, work from home. They're pretty simple things to do. Obviously, if you can't do those things, take all possible precautions to limit the spread. Not only now do we have to deal with COVID, of course, there is flu rampaging through Australia at the moment, given the climate conditions. And now the World Health Organization has declared a monkeypox emergency. This has been bubbling away in the background for some time. And just recently, in the last 24 hours, the World Health Organization has said monkeypox has become a global emergency. There is lots of reasons to take your health very, very seriously. Even if you don't care so much about your own health, think of your family, think of your friends, your neighbors, your loved ones. Think about how you want to protect them and how they would feel if you got sick or if you made them sick. So on COVID, stay safe. Do everything you can. Listen to the nurses who have said we have to wear masks, we have to get vaccinated, we have to maintain physical distancing and work from home. That's from the nurses' union. They are absolutely clear on all those points. Now, on to some of the other news uh, and issues that have happened. Obviously, Tony Burke, the Minister for Workplace Relations, uh, was on insiders today, uh, Tony Burke gave what I thought was an excellent interview. Not only was it honest and open and candid, he actually seemed relaxed and across his brief. Unlike so many who appear on insiders, he didn't appear stilted or in any way uh, uncomfortable. In fact, he made an announcement through insiders, which is interesting to see uh, the government using the ABC the national broadcaster, to make an announcement. And it was a good announcement as well. The ABCC, not the ABC, the ABCC, the Australian Building and Construction Commission, uh, will have its powers curtailed. So the minister, Tony Burke, will adjust the building code. These are the regulations that give the ideological cops that are the ABCC their powers on work sites. And Tony Burke made the point that no longer will taxpayer money be wasted 
chasing down who's wearing what sticker on their helmet, uh, tearing down posters because they have a union logo in the corner, uh, or running expensive court cases because of flags that fly on construction sites. These are workplace issues to be determined between the workers and the employers. It is a much more sensible, logical approach and takes the ideology out of our construction industry. Employers and employees have to be able to negotiate in good faith. Having an ideological cop determine what's appropriate in terms of stickers, you know, and when we say what's appropriate, I'm not talking about things here that are otherwise illegal in any other workplace, right? These are not in any way racist or sexist or homophobic or in any other way inappropriate. We're talking about having the union logo. We're talking about having the Southern Cross, a symbol of unionism. We're talking about having union slogans. These are not offensive to anyone except people who have an ideological opposition to the idea of unions. And why, pray tell, would people be opposed to unions? Well, an interesting article in today's Age and Herald Sun, uh, as not Herald Sun, Sunday, <laughs> Sydney Morning Herald, I should say, the Sydney Morning Herald. Uh, my apologies to Ben Schneiders who wrote the article. He is obviously a much higher quality journalist than you would find in the Herald Sun. But he has written an article that has examined the workplace agreements that have been struck, the 72 of the most recent workplace agreements that have been approved by the Fair Work Commission, and it finds that union agreements pay more. That's right. As we've said on this show many, many, many times, if you're in a union, you will get paid more money because workers who stick together get better bargaining outcomes. So while wages growth in those agreements averages about 3%, the union agreements average 4%. That's an entire extra percentage point in your pay packet if you are a member of a union. So join. Go to australianunions.org.au slash wow, that's W-O-W, to join your union today. Do it right now while you're listening. You can do it on your phone, do it on your desktop, whatever device you've got ready to hand, get on there and join. Because quite frankly, more union members means more money in your pocket and it means better rights and conditions in the workplace. Tony Burke on Insiders today was talking about how the government wants to move forward by making work more secure, making sure workers, and I quote, go forward, not backward. Now, for the government to do that, it needs to have broad support. We've seen business lobbyists in the last few days come out and attack the idea that we would have more secure employment, attack the idea that wages would go up. Some have taken a more moderate line, and the Business Council of Australia has been one of those who's taken a more moderate line. Some have taken a more extreme line, suggesting that businesses would flee Australia. Now, that is a nonsense, and it is constantly trotted out. The sort of things that Tony Burke talked about on Insiders were ensuring that there was no more illegitimate use of labour hire. That's where labour hire is used to replace whole workforces rather than fill a shortage, create surge capacity, fill a particular skills need. It's actually being used to undermine secure employment. 
and you have workers doing the same job on different pay rates. He talked about making sure that there was permanent jobs with secure contracts. We all know people who are stuck on rolling contracts. The job is ongoing, but the contract is not permanent. So you have people who do years and years and years of a rolling contract and yet never get the entitlements that they would have if it was a permanent ongoing role. And of course, we've talked on the show before about companies, often multi-billion dollar companies, arbitrarily trying to cancel agreements. Basically, their approach to bargaining is, you either let us take a little bit from you or we're going to take everything from you. Now, that is not good faith bargaining. That is not how we make sure workers share in the productive outputs and capacities that we are growing for the economy. And let's be really clear here. Wages are not growing at the rate, not only not at the rate of inflation, but not even really at the rate of productive growth. We have huge spare capacity. What we are seeing is inflation being driven by profit-taking, by profiteering, by CEO wages. Previous episodes, we've talked about some of these. I've posted a video on our social media channels about how there are people in our economy, CEOs and senior executives, who are looting, looting Australia for their own gain. What Tony Burke has promised with the summit, has promised with the kind of laws he wants to introduce, is to redress that balance, is basically to say we have to get to a point where people can bargain effectively, where workers have enough power to get fair outcomes. Of course, the gig economy comes up as well. We know that in transport, we know that in food delivery, we know that in parcel delivery, there is an Uberization effect that has undercut the wages and conditions of workers. He has said that there has to be minimum standards for all workers. He talked about building a ramp. My only concern with a ramp is that there are some people who are currently at the top of the ramp and some industries that are teetering, teetering on what is currently a cliff. We don't want anyone to fall off the cliff but there are some industries that are already at the bottom. Of course, we're talking here about transport. We're talking about uh, delivery. We're talking about those Uberized industries that are already at the bottom. Of course, Tony Burke and Labor and the government want to get those industries up to the top with everybody else. So that's why they're building the ramp. What we have to make sure is that those industries, aged care, the NDIS, disability services, in-home care, that are teetering on the brink, where we're seeing an increase in Uberization of sham contracting, that they don't suddenly find themselves pushed down the ramp. So safeguards and safety rails have to be put in place around the entire system. If you're in an industry that is funded by government, there is no reason why you should be being pushed down the ramp. You should be absolutely guaranteed secure employment and basic entitlements. You are a worker, you are an employee. It boggles my mind that there are funded, government-funded programs where workers are being put into sham contracts and being Uberized. And we know that it's happening in aged care. We know that it's happening in the NDIS. 
Now, the real challenge is how do we stop that becoming a slippery slope instead of a ramp towards job security? That's the challenge. I'm sure that wiser heads than mine will come up with the solutions. Some other things that have happened. Obviously, Phil Curry was on Insiders, and Phil is always good for a laugh when it comes to insiders. And quite frankly, you know, the guy just tickles my funny bone and my outrage gland every single time. Quite aside from him squibbing the opportunity to call the corrupt behavior of the LNP corrupt, where he basically said he wasn't qualified to comment, he then also accused the union movement of sneaking around Parliament House during the week. I mean, Phil, you're a journalist, mate. If you can't choose your words more carefully, maybe you need to find a vocation that doesn't require you to carefully choose words. Just a thought, just an idea. Because quite frankly, you know, from the man who said Gladys Berejiklian was the woman who saved Australia, to hear him say the union movement is sneaking around Parliament House is a pretty outrageous statement to make. Phil, you're going to have to get used to it, mate. Workers are the vast majority of Australians and absolutely have a right to be in the corridors of power, not just because there's a Labor government, but because fundamentally working people have a right to participate in the democratic processes and the democratic systems that shape the world, our communities, our lives. So, mate, nobody's sneaking anywhere. Let me tell you, if Sally McManus was to do, that's the leader of the trade union movement, was to do a press conference every day, I'm sure you'd still accuse the Labor movement of sneaking around. You need to take your ideological blinkers off, Phil. Just take them off. Catherine Murphy, on the other hand, talked about the climate change target. This is one of the things Parliament is coming back this week. Of course, there's lots to be done in Parliament. There's only eight weeks of parliamentary sitting between now and the end of the year. Uh, One of the key things that the government uh, under Anthony Albanese has committed to doing is legislating a 43% emissions reduction target uh, as a floor, not a ceiling. This is what the government is saying. They're in negotiations with the crossbench about this. You know, and Catherine Murphy made a really solid point on insiders about this issue. You know, there's lots of negotiation, there's lots of argy bargy. Tony Burke made uh, a point actually that, you know, our biggest emitters are on track to reach their 2050 targets. And so fundamentally, we're going ahead, we're pushing ahead. We're, the legislation is good to have, we want it legislated, but fundamentally, Labor's going to push ahead in government to make this happen. But Catherine Murphy's point was this. We have had a decade of coalition government doing the wrong thing. And it is a question of right and wrong. You know, it is a question of doing the right thing or doing the wrong thing. And in her words, they have spent a decade doing the wrong thing. And now in opposition, they're continuing to ramp up that rhetoric. You know, Peter Dutton has said they will not vote for an emissions reduction target. Interestingly, Andrew Bragg has gone on Sky and said that he's open to it. You know, the opposition is such a shambles, and you can understand why. They've spent a decade in government avoiding doing anything, avoiding actually doing the job of government. Now there's a government in place 
that is desperate to undo the damage and the stagnation that uh, has come about from a decade of coalition uh, rule, the opposition doesn't know what to do. They don't know whether to be for things or against things. And quite frankly, nothing sums that up better than Karen Andrews, the former Home Affairs Minister, because this story has come out in the last couple of days where Karen Andrews, as Home Affairs Minister, instructed the department to put out a statement about an asylum seeker boat approaching Australia on election day. The department pushed back. They didn't do it as a drop. They didn't do social media about it. But this was happening, and the timelines show this. This was happening as Scott Morrison was getting up to give a press conference. You know, the situation was not resolved. There were literally lives at stake, and yet Scott Morrison on election day had put pressure on Karen Andrews, who put pressure on the department to make sure there was real-time live reporting of the situation to help to help the Morrison government try and cling to power. Karen Andrews gave an interview today on the on the Today program where she tried to defend this uh, position. And quite frankly, it's indefensible. And Mark Kenny on Insiders made the point that Karen Andrews should be considering her position. You know, a decade of coalition government uh, where they did nothing but try and hold on to power for its own sake, to try and give themselves and their friends tax cuts, to skew the balance away from workers towards corporations. And look, they were successful in those aims. The, you only need to look at how profits are skyrocketing and wages are stagnant to see that they achieved their fundamental ideological aims. You can hear Germanicus nodding along in the background. What they failed to do was govern in a democratic, accountable, open way. Mark Kenny said that they broke the convention, uh, that they that they were no longer caretakers, they were scare makers. These are all true. These are all things that the Morrison government did on its final day in power. And Karen Andrews should consider her position, quite frankly, how she can possibly continue to be the shadow minister uh, of any kind is beyond my understanding. Now, Parliament will sit this week. There are three key things that are going to happen. Family and domestic violence leave will become part of the National Employment Standards. This is paid leave for workers who need to take time off work to deal with the repercussions of family and domestic violence. This is a huge win for the union movement, a huge win for workers everywhere. The We Won't Wait campaign, a huge campaign by the ASU, the SDA, the UW, so many unions involved in this, the ACTU, of course, as well, who pushed for uh, paid family domestic violence leave. It will become law in the next two weeks. Skills Australia will be set up. This, of course, Brendan O'Connor, who is the Minister for Skills and Training, such an important body to get skills development happening in this country rather than relying on the occasional floodgate opening and bringing in people on a temporary basis and sending them home again. We're going to have a proper 
national skills agenda, making sure that Australia is prepared for the challenges now, but also into the medium and long-term future. It's important that governments plan ahead. After a decade of not doing that, we will now have our body designed specifically for that purpose. And of course, as I've already mentioned, the emissions reduction target. So what to expect next week? Well, it's the first parliamentary sitting of the new Labor government. There will be lots of grandstanding by many, many different people, no doubt. Peter Dutton, I believe, has come back from leave, although you wouldn't know it. And of course, the Greens are already continuing to bang the drum about what they will and won't support. Uh, And whether or not they do eventually vote with Peter Dutton against Labor, or even if Peter Dutton doesn't get rolled by his own caucus and have to vote with Labor, who knows what the next two weeks will hold. But what we can say for certain is that if you listen to people like Tony Burke, you listen to Anthony Albanese, we are in for a government that will change, that will change the balance of power in our workplaces and in our communities, much more towards working people, more secure jobs, better wages, better working conditions, better climate, and more equality for all. And that is what I hope we see start to emerge very, very clearly by the end of the sitting week. So don't forget to join Van and I on Wednesday when we will do the week on Wednesday. And of course, you can catch uh, Van's latest articles in The Guardian. You can also see us on social media. A huge thank you and congratulations to everyone who's helped make this podcast such a huge success. Your support means the world to us. You can make a financial contribution if you would like at www.buymeacoffee.com slash week on Wednesday. Of course, Week on Wednesday contributors through that page do get episodes emailed to them directly as well as additional links and content as well. Cadre supporters do get exclusive videos from me and Van talking about the issues in a bit more detail and also just giving you a bit of an insight into our lives. So until Wednesday, remember, be kind to yourself and to each other.